there, and welcome to the Dog Liaison Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Katie about her dog, Tucker. We learned about Tucker's recovery journey and the obstacles they overcame. I hope you enjoy. Hey, uh, hi, am I in? <laughs> yes, you are. Thank you so much for jumping on. So Katie, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and Tucker and where in the world are you guys? How old is Tucker? What's his breed? All of the deets. So we are in Northern California. Tucker's over here <laughs> enjoying his little red and sock. Um, he is about two years old, so we don't know exactly for sure because we adopted him from a rescue. His breeds, we don't know for sure either, but we suspect some type of herding breed and something small, like Chihuahua or some other type of terrier. And so it's me, Tucker, and his dad, Dustin. He's not here today. He's at work, but. <laughs> and tell us how Tucker came to you. What's the beginning of his journey look like? So we were looking to adopt a dog and we found him just through one of those rescue sites. And we um, contacted that organization and um, it ended up, they were having an adoption event. So we um, arranged to be there. We got there super early so that I could make sure I was like, we gotta meet him, we gotta meet him first. So we, we met him, we went into the little area with him. He immediately climbed right into my lap and like, that was basically it. He was like, this is where I will stay. That guy over there's okay, being my husband. Anyone else? <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was kind of it. We um, didn't really find out much about him the most that they knew or told us was that he was timid, but he would warm up and um, that he had been fostered in what was really more of like a kennel type situation. I don't really know, know what that meant, but all right. And that was it. Away we went. We got all his supplies that we thought he would need that day and took him home. And that was that. <laughs> so, so you knew he was timid, you knew you were getting a rescue dog. Would you say you had anticipated how much sensitivity he would ultimately have, or were you a little naive back then? I was extremely naive. I grew up, we always had, you know, a family dog, and then um, my sister has a couple of, <clears throat> excuse me, rescue dogs. Um, so I had, you know, that experience, but... No, not at all. The The level of sensitivity that he began to show us, we, we had not anticipated. <laughs> How soon did you notice that he had sensitivity, separation, anxiety, reactivity? Like, was that something that happened all of a sudden or was it warmed up to? I think at first uh, we kind of just chalked it up to everything was new. You know, he was newly adopted. We were new to him. The environment was new. But now looking back, like there were, you know, signs from the beginning that ended up persisting beyond what we thought would have been like the typical mm -hmm. time frame. So 
he always wanted to be held like so he would you know kind of try to want to climb climb up me for me to hold him anytime he was in a new environment I noticed he would do some like itching that I just had a feeling that I would say you're not you're not really itchy are you that it seemed mm -hmm. this behavior and like some sneezing and then um when we tried to take him on his first neighborhood walk, because we were going to do those twice a day, every day, um, he was very, very scared and rolled out of his harness. And so we said, oh, okay, we're going home. We got to regroup on that. So pretty early on. And like I said, we sort of chalked it up to everything being new at first. But then as time went on, we kind of realized it was little something more than that. Mm -hmm. I think that's super reasonable, like, especially with a rescue, you know, we're told from everybody, like, give them, you know, three weeks or whatever, and that's sort of their transition period. So, of course, they're going to be a little bit more sensitive. And rescue dogs have sort of, they're sort of infamous for having a hodgepodge of problems anyway, right, and, and socialization issues. So, you want to kind of simplify it and be like, okay, well, this is just something that we can work through. It's not that big of a deal. What would you say was the turning point where you were like, you know, I think we actually need to really get like a training process. Like what was sort of the aha moment for you? Like, I think this might be a little bit more serious than just like he's scared right now. Yeah. So I don't know what the initial one was, but uh, I did start to kind of go, you know, okay, I need to figure out what's going on. And I started following different things and researching different things, starting to try to make some progress. And he has always been more of like a flight guy. His fear response is more to default to flight. So I kind of felt like, okay, well, he's not sh showing aggression necessarily. So okay, like we can we can do this. Like if he's scared, he's just going to like run away and like everybody will be safe. It'll be okay. And so, you know, we were trotting along and starting to make some progress. And then there was an incident sort of around the same time that I found you and started looking at your YouTube and, and following along um, where we went camping and he was doing okay with the camping trip, but there were some guys that were playing ball behind our campsite and the ball came into our campsite and all of a sudden here comes a stranger into our campsite and he just kind of got there surprised all of us and that was the first and probably only time because then i took measures where i saw tucker not choose flight he moved toward him barking and then backed off. And when the guy didn't leave, he moved toward him barking again. And so that was kind of my aha moment. That's kind of something I had in the back of my head that I didn't want to have happen. And then when it did, I just knew I don't want him to feel that way or continue to escalate in a way where he feels like that's what he needs to do to be safe. Mm-hmm. I love that. Let's go backwards a little bit and help our audience. Name sort of all of Tucker's former triggers, including a separation anxiety. You know, what were some of his anxieties and phobias? 
he would show fear of novel objects. So if he went into the backyard one day and it looked a certain way, cool. If he came back the next day and there was a bucket in a new spot that he'd never met before, um, he would be afraid of the bucket, afraid of garbage cans at the park. Um, there was a moment at a stoplight in the car where he started to growl a little. And I'm thinking, what is this? He's fine in the car, thank goodness. And I look over and it's a, a mailbox, so a blue mailbox. So fear of novel objects, um, touch sensitivity. He had you know, particular feelings about the way he liked to be handled and um, different things touching him. So um, in the beginning, like if he would have a leash on and the leash would touch his back, that would be very scary. He is really sensitive about his paws being touched. And then, well, in the beginning, um, people, it could be people, a person, a football field away. You could sort of see like him assess everything in the environment and it all sort of like close in on him. So um, yeah, so people at a distance and then um, he got a little more comfortable with that, but really anytime he perceives somebody to be in pursuit, like walking straight at him, staring at him, those are really tough for him. And then um, crouching people. So people typically crouch when they want to meet a new dog and make them feel comfortable. And that would make him more afraid. And I know he also has separation anxiety that you're working through. Would you say that you're experiencing a little attachment to him too? And how does it feel to sort of have to, you know, put a little space between the two of you? What's that experience like? Yes, I 100% have separation anxiety now as well. I mean, it's tough because we spend a lot of time together since I work from home. And so since we've been in this together and I've been the primary one working with him, it's a little bit tricky to want to trust others to help. <laughs> but I have found with the, the methods of how we're treating his separation anxiety with the RRP, it is also desensitization for me at the same time. So that makes it a lot, a lot better and a lot easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us, tell us what techniques you used before joining the RRP and how that was going for you. So for his anxiety out of, out and about in the world, I was kind of doing desensitization and counter conditioning. I just didn't really know that's what I was doing and I wasn't probably doing it all that well. <laughs> so um, I found a park that I thought was the biggest park I could find close by um, that wasn't very crowded and sort of found the, the least crowded time to go. And we would go every day or so and around the same time park in the same spot when we got there if i felt like there were too many people we would leave if i got there and i felt like he was already looking around and being hyper vigilant we would leave and then mm -hmm. some days we could get out and step out and get back in and then some days we could go a few feet from the car and stay a 30 seconds and get back in 
and it it started growing and growing to where we got up to be able to do some laps around the park as long as not too many things changed in the environment. Mm -hmm. And what about for separation anxiety? What techniques do you even doing for that? <laughs> um, I was doing kind of a hodgepodge of pieces of things that I'd found on the internet. At first I was trying the crate training and then give him a treat and just have him in that one room and close the door and you just go in another room and then trying to just do short absences so he could get used to it. But at that point, I didn't, I didn't know for sure that he had separation anxiety. I knew, like I sensed that he had like some strong attachment to me, but I didn't for sure equate that to separation anxiety, even though I was suspicious that it might mm -hmm. uh, be a problem. So yeah, so I was kind of just doing short absences. Eventually, we started, um, my husband and I, we would set a time each evening. And we would record him, like leave my phone behind and record. And we'd go for a minute and then the next time another minute and just kind of keep adding time and then go back and review the video after mm -hmm. the fact. Then we we did have we we saw a video that didn't look great and I was like all right nope <laughs> nope we can't do that again we're not putting him through that um so I found a book read a book and mm -hmm. um started working on you know doing the best I could working on what I I read there and we actually seemed to make some really good and fast progress where we got up to about two hours in three months. Mm. And then we had a big setback because mm -hmm. I didn't really have all the information that I needed and I made a big boo-boo and mm -hmm. left for a long duration before he was actually ready to do that again. And after that, I was so like emotionally exhausted that from there, I was still kind of trying to do training, but we went just all the way back to the beginning. And mm -hmm. what I was doing really wasn't effective. And I was so triggered every time I would go to try to do it, that it was bad news. <laughs> so a couple of things that I, I hear on that is first and foremost, for our listeners, I think I, I always encourage you guys to do basically all the experiments that Katie mentioned. And sometimes that does mean that you are flying a little bit blind. And sometimes that means that you are just trying the great training and you are trying the Kong full of peanut butter and you are trying just taking him to the park and just seeing. And it's not wrong to do those things. You just have to also be open-minded and have it with sort of, you're taking this as data as opposed to positive certainty that this is inevitably going to make your dog feel better. And like, without a doubt, we are on the right track. Here we go. Instead, you want to go in more with like, okay, I'm going to experiment with this and I'm going to see what data I get out of it. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to really assess it and see if it's working, if it's not working and if it's not working, we're going to change directions. We're not going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. This episode is brought to you by my signature coaching program, the Recovering Rover Program for Anxious Dogs. 
One dog, one million phobias. Reactivity, noise sensitivity, separation anxiety, generalized anxiety, and the list goes on and on. If your dog has multiple anxiety-related disorders, then you know the awful stress of feeling trapped in your own home. Having a dog with anxiety does not mean sacrificing your own mental health. The RRP is the most comprehensive program that coaches guardians on how to treat their dog's anxiety. This is a six-month group coaching program dedicated to making you an expert in desensitizing your dog's triggers and making your dog feel more calm and comfortable in the world. For all the info on the Recovering Rover program and to see whether you and your dog are a good fit, go to getacalmdog.com backslash RRP to learn more. And now back to the episode. In my experience, particularly with separation anxiety, because there are so many different types of separation related disorders. So particularly with separation anxiety that needs a desensitization protocol, I have all of our clients really try all those methods before they come to us, before they do this method, because this method, as Katie's going to share with you, it requires a lot of energy. <laughs> and if you don't have to go through that world, if you don't have to put in that effort, if you can just solve your problems with giving your dog a con full of peanut butter and calling it a day, like my God, let's do that. You know, would you agree with that, Katie? Absolutely. Yeah, that would be amazing. And that's an important point too, that all of these steps, you, you do want to go through them. I think the difference for me in getting help from the RRP is that my perspective, I, I wasn't co connecting all of the dots. I didn't have all the information that I needed. And my perspective was, I'm doing it and it's not working. Not that this is data to make the, the right plan or the better plan. I think what you just said is going to help so many people at the beginning of their journeys. And it's going to help them have like sort of that mindset shift because what we're really talking about today, guys, is like, yes, we're sharing Tucker's emotional story and that's what we're going to be working on. But the point of it is the mindset shifts. And the point of it is really to give support to folks who are feeling a little like they're flying blind or feeling like they are trying to still piece all the little buttons together and see what sticks. And as much as you have to be able to logistically support your dog, you also have to have the right mindset and emotional support for yourself as well. So I love, love, love everything you're saying. So what techniques are you doing now? So you've been on your recovery journey for about a year, but definitely just graduated the RP. So six months post RP, right? Um, what techniques are you using? What techniques have worked? What techniques have not worked? Share that with us. Let's see. There's so much. Uh -huh. so, Let's just start with reactivity and then we'll shift and we'll talk about separation anxiety. Let's do it that way. For reactivity. Let me see. Well, we do lots of, lots of enrichment. Um, and then something that we are working on implementing more is really being intentional about decompression time. I guess that's more like in between training. Um, but then when we're, when we are out training, we're working on counter conditioning. So trying to help him, you know, change his feelings, have better feelings about some of the scary things. And uh, let's see, it's kind of interesting. It's hard to separate it now because now that we've been doing all these things, when we do go out into the world, some of the time 
it's intentional training session. And then some of the time it's just, we're just using the techniques and the tools that we have. So we're using, look at that. And we're using be a dog where he can just, you know, relax. And we're using, let's get out of here. Or he's using it on his own when he um, chooses to use his flight skill as a skill rather than a reaction to fear. So, yeah. I love, love, love what you just said, because you said um, we're just sort of living and using the environment and using these tools while we're in that environment. So it's it's a more conditioned, intrinsic experience um, where you guys are just living your best life and implementing the tools practically. That is what we're trying to strive for. We try to move out of the like, quote unquote, formal training sessions where you're like, OK, we're going to go training today. Right. Beautiful. Love that. So tell me about what techniques you've tried with separation anxiety and how that works a little. Um, So with the separation anxiety training, um, the biggest and like best and like my favorite thing is um, goal oriented goodbyes, uh, because it just makes so much sense. It makes it practical. And I mean, not only is your dog you know, staying in a state where he's not totally overwhelmed, but you're basically reaching goals almost every time. You're not just holding your breath that he's going to make it to a certain duration without getting too stressed. Yeah. And so for those who don't know our listeners in goal or taker buys is the desensitization method for separation anxiety exclusively taught in the RP. It's my signature method. And I love what you just said, Katie, which is just like every single time you do a goodbye, you're attaining some sort of goal. You're accomplishing something that's not necessarily just how long did you stay outside, but it's today we were able to get to the car and put it in reverse and drive away. Today, we were able to get something from our mailbox. I remember the uh, little lock button on your, your front door, the little noise that it makes. Accomplishing that goal was major for us because that sound was so triggering to Tuck. So mm-hmm. love, love, love that. And what would you say for your goal into goodbyes? What would you say was like a pivotal turn for Tucker in his recovery journey where you felt like, oh, we accomplished something. Like we were really like we're on to something here. So that it wasn't even like a duration time thing, which can be such a heavy focus. It was when he stopped leaping off of the couch and racing to the door after me when I would leave, even though he would, you know, eventually get up and check, seeing him be able to sit there and and notice, oh, okay, yeah, she's going out the door and and still just sit there and be okay, not panicked, like, I have to zoom over there immediately. Absolutely. In the recovery journey in the last six months, what are some things that you and Dustin can now do, or just even if it's just around the house, what are some things that are different from your former life, some things that you've been able to accomplish? Well, one thing for Tucker and I, when we're here, just the two of us, something that's pretty huge for him is he is able to choose to go outside and hang out in the backyard and sunbathe on his own before he would always, you know, get up from wherever we were working 
and like demand to go outside like a lot of dogs will do ask to go outside but he wouldn't just go when I open the door he'd curve around me and herd me on out with him <laughs> and um, now he will just go outside on his own and sunbathe and usually he would do it if we were working in the living room and if we're in the bedroom he would still want to stay with me but actually just the other day he he did it from the bedroom which was a first and a big deal another thing was that one of the very first things that we did Dustin and I my husband before we like really even got deep into working on tuck stuff is uh Jenna encouraged us <laughs> to get out of the house and go on a date just the two of us because we hadn't been in a shockingly and embarrassing <laughs> long amount of time just the two of us so uh we we did that and my mom came and babysat and yeah we went on a date on our own I didn't stare at my phone the whole time and check the puppy cam and um, it was awesome and empowering just to have, I mean, because of working with Jenna previously in the RRP with our reactivity, you know, I, I trust her a lot and I know that she wouldn't put Tuck in a stressful situation. So to have you say, go, what are you doing? Go out on a date with your husband was just very reassuring and like okay yeah <laughs> we need to do this it was such a big moment for like the whole the whole team tucker because we are so I, I hear this so much with all the guardians that are so committed to keeping their dog happy that they are like so scared of taking too significant of risks and like the idea of you and dustin going out for date night and not staring down at your phone the entire time feels at that stage, like a very big risk. You know, it feels like you are putting uh, Tucker in a very vulnerable situation where like, what if something goes wrong? We're all the way, you know, 20 minutes away. We have to get in the car, we have to drive home, we have to pick him up, then we have to recover him. And it feels very scary. And sometimes, you know, just kind of breaking that ice and saying, okay, my friend, you get to look down at your phone three times <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and sometimes setting some parameters around it and starting off small. Like I know you guys started off with just a coffee trip, you know, to Starbucks and it doesn't have to be a full four hour movie night. It can start off small and then we graduate. And that is really how we become more comfortable not just like making sure that Tucker is okay, but making sure that you're okay implementing that, right? Mm -hmm. I love that. Can you tell us, I know we've talked about a couple of highs here. I'm wondering if you could share maybe like a moment in time when you felt a little bit low, maybe you've hit a plateau or you regressed. What was the time in the recovery journey that you were like, oh, this is frustrating, this is exhausting. And how did you get yourself out of it? There's one time that stood out that at the time rattled me a bit I think because everything had been going so well and we were making so much progress and you know feeling more freedom out at the park there was a moment where we were you know out there doing our thing and I was feeling like I didn't have to be as hyper vigilant and and just enjoying 
and a woman started to approach us and I don't remember what happened, why we couldn't move away quickly enough, but, but she got into our, our distance that didn't feel like a safe distance for Tucker yet. And, um, and she was wearing a big hat, a big sun hat, and she was coming straight at him, staring right at him. So it was like all of his worst (laughs) things. And uh, he started to react and uh, she you know, still stuck around and wanted to talk to me. And like, we tried to, we tried to get out of there and it just wasn't smooth. So yeah, I felt, I felt pretty bummed about that. But also like one of the things that we've learned now is to not dwell on those moments, that it was a moment, it was information you know, journal what it was that happened and, you know, how to work through it next time. And um, now what do you do with it? You use the information. You don't have to the next day get right back up on the horse. You can take some decompression time. And so, you know, you have things to, we have things to do now rather than dwell on that terrible moment. I love that. That's absolutely like spot on is that like, you know, you're allowed to be frustrated, you're allowed to be a human, you're allowed to be reactive to that moment. But take some time, spend a couple days pausing your training. Like you said, it's just information, it's just data for us to log. And, you know, you will get through this. And and even like I have a client in the RP right now who's going through a certain obstacle. And, you know, that was causing her a little stress. She's like, okay, we got to get through this moment. And I told her, look, we're just going to take this as information. Even if, even if your dog does go over threshold, it's just data for us. It's just information for us to be better next time. And it's going to be okay. I love, love that. So on top of that message, on top of the, it's going to be okay message, what would you say to a guardian who's at the beginning of their stages right now, they're starting to have some of these indications that like, Hey, I think my dog has separation anxiety. Hey, I think my dog is anxious. Hey, I think my dog is like highly reactive and they're just maybe a little naive right now too. What would you say to them? If that's what you're suspecting, go with your gut. It's real. (laughs) Um, And it's hard, but it can get better. And like if you're struggling or if you have reached a plateau, then it it doesn't have to stay that way. You probably just need the right guidance and more information and support. I love that. That's excellent. So I know that your recovery journey with Tucker continues. We still like our, we're, we're on this journey together, but what are you most looking forward to in your future life with Tucker? What is, what is going to be that clear indication that you're like, we did it. We made this happen. One of the things we've kind of made a a big leap with, which was one of our fun goals to go trail running. So we we did that the other day. It's still not at like the ultimate vision, but um, that's, I mean, but that's another thing that's okay. I think with something like this, that's a process. It's easy to get that ultimate fantasy in your head and think I can't do it until we can do it that way. 
but that doesn't have to be the case. So instead of going trail running where it was a race and there was the mist and all the things, we went trail running at a park that we've been to before that has a little paved trail and a little dirt road area, and we just did it. So that was really exciting that then that is, you know, the next goal to get to that like ultimate fantasy. And then for the separation anxiety part, just getting to the point where we can feel comfortable that we can go out on a date, maybe a couple hours that both of us can go to a family Christmas party that we don't have to take turns and that we know, you know, Tucker is going to feel fine and he's going to be okay. I love, love, love that you just changed your IG handle to Fast Little Tucker to go along with the trail running. And I know you're going to continue to post. If you guys are not following Tucker on Instagram, uh, make sure you go to my profile. He's all over there, but it's at Fast Little Tucker. (laughs) You'll get to see as they, they're currently doing trail running around the park. But I know that the mountains and the hills are right around the corner. Pretty soon you're going to be doing on the beach. It's going to be great. And zero reactivity, zero sensitivity or nervousness from Tucker. I'm super excited for your future. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I know that it's going to help so many guardians and it's motivational, inspirational. And I just really appreciate you. Yay. Thank you so much. All right, my friend. I hope you have a fabulous weekend. Thank you for jumping on with me. And we'll chat very soon, okay? Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dog Liaison Podcast. Support for this episode came from the Recovering Rover Program. Go to getacomdog.com to learn how you can treat your dog's anxiety. And you can support this podcast by leaving a review and sharing. I appreciate your continued support, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.